Your first eight guys maybe should be blue plate specials, but those back five guys, they should be more like tin hats, more guys that are grunt players, garbage players that dive for the ball. You are listening to the Scrambled Eggs Podcast on CrackedSidewalks.com. Happy holidays, everyone, and welcome into Scrambled Eggs, your unofficial Marquette basketball podcast here on CrackSidewalks.com. Joe McCann and Phil Bush here with you. Quick check-in before Christmas, and uh, right now, Phil, uh, I think Marquette fans are getting what they wanted for Christmas, and that is a pretty good basketball team. I mean, it is uh, it, it is out uh, outliving my expectations, for sure, and well, we all know optimistic Phil is uncontrollable before this started, so... Oh boy, we're in a good place. Yeah, I mean you're the I mean you're the optimistic one on the podcast anyway, and I, I'd say so far so good. We still have more than half the season to go, so we're not going to start making room for any banners just yet. But look, Marquette's playing very well, uh, and a nut, they got off to a great start in Big East play after an 0 and three start in Big East play last season, and that ended up turning out pretty well overall. Marquette has started off one and zero in Big East play this season with a great win over Creighton on Friday. We're going to talk about that in today's show, and we're also going to talk about the next two games. So we're going to talk about Tuesday the 20th against Providence, and we're also going to touch on the game on the 27th against Seton Hall because we are not going to be able to record a podcast over Christmas. Hope you all understand that and hope you all have a Merry Christmas, but this should get us through the next week, then we'll recheck in after the Seton Hall game uh, next week. So that's kind of the broadcast, the uh, schedule for the show for all of you who are wondering when the next one will be. We won't check in again until after Christmas, but we wanted to get one in before Christmas. And uh, Phil, let's just start with that Creighton game. And, you know, we speculated on the pod last week that, um, Marquette would probably be a comfortable favorite without Kalkbrenner, and it might be a closer to a pick'em with Kalkbrenner. You even went so far as to say Marquette would win by double digits if Kalkbrenner did not play. I felt good about a win. I didn't go as far as saying double digits, but I have to say you nailed it, my man. A an eleven point win, sixty nine nice points over Mark Creighton's fifty eight for your Golden Eagles last Friday. Um, what made you so confident, and why did it come to fruition? Well, I, so what made me confident was the fact that, I mean, Creighton is a solid team, but without Kalkbrenner, their defense is different, one. And two, their bench is pretty thin. I mean, if for those who are watching the game, and I was watching it in the arena, you know, the first seven, eight, nine, ten minutes of that game were a little bit nervy, right? You know, Creighton seemed to be able to get what they want. Um, you know, especially uh, Baylor Shireman was just whoever Marquette decided to put on him, he was going to post up and get buckets, and, you know, I think he had eight or nine points in the in the first ten minutes of that game, so it, you know, it was kind of one of these, like, who boy, they're gonna they're gonna get bullied here a little bit, but but Creighton just does not have depth, especially with Kalkbrenner out, and the pace that Marquette plays and the number of pieces Marquette can throw at you is you know is is just unmatched. So if you look, you know, in the game itself, um, Creighton, you know, so they're starting five played 28 28 29 33 36 minutes that is a lot of minutes to play against the fourth fastest team in in the ncaa so that's that's kind of where where it came from like just a a clash of styles 
You know, uh, they didn't have Kalkbrenner, but that King kid they had in the middle was pretty good. He played well. He had 16 points, didn't miss a field goal, and had 10 rebounds. But to your point, if they had Kalkbrenner, then they would have had either King or Kalkbrenner in the middle the entire game. Correct. And that might that might have made a significant difference, I would think. I don't know if Creighton wins with both of them, but it would have made a difference. So yeah, w- without Kochbrenner, the, the depth did catch up to Creighton, and Marquette did just kind of wear them down towards the end of the first half, and they were basically able to just maintain that lead for the second half. You know, Marquette, continu- Marquette continues to get great minutes from Oso Iguodaro. He is looking like an all-Big East performer to me, another outstanding game for him. 16 points, 6 rebounds. He only had one assist, but he is still a great passer. Yes. Just the things he can do for an offense um, just opens things up for other guys. And as far as individual performances, uh, his certainly stood out. Yeah, well, and, and you know, this was the first game where we really saw Oso kind of um, – take the ball for himself there were a couple of buckets there was an absolutely filthy baseline drive that he had against king um and and he just you know king king got points no doubt i mean quite frankly he he matched oso in in point total um but the fact that that oso was playing offensively generating buckets generating movement and he did he played without fouling he literally did not foul in that game um, which is, you know, another piece of the impressive Oso puzzle is, is you know, there's always a concern since he's he's the primary five and there's not really much behind him. Um, you know, can he stay out of foul trouble? And he has, you know, knock on all the wood there is, he has continued to be able to do that for the most part throughout. You know, he was a little bit of foul trouble against Notre Dame, but but he's been been really good about being available to play. Um, and I think that's, you know, with his skill set, that's the single, you know, what do they say? The best ability is availability. Um, and and Oso's, Oso's had that in these games, which is really critical because I think, um, unless you disagree, I think Oso is the single most important player on this roster. I think so, just because when he's out for an extended period of time, the drop-off is notable as far as... Uh, paint presence, um, just having a big guy you can run an offense through. Right, like he, he's got that little baby hook in the lane that is he's used to a lot of success so far. And when he you know he doesn't have a shot, he is clever with the basketball as far as finding an open man, and he doesn't make many bad decisions when he has the basketball. Uh, and, and yeah, his effort on defense continues to improve all the time. Ben, you know, Ben Gold gives you some good effort on defense, but he does get beat from time to time, and, and he just doesn't have the offensive repertoire that Oso has. Now, he has a jump shot. He hit a three in the Creighton game. Right. But uh, I think the drop-off from Oso to anybody else playing in the middle, because if Oso and Gold are both out, uh, all of a sudden you're small. Right. Right, and then teams could take advantage. So, yeah, I, I I would say Oso is probably the most indispensable. I, I I don't like going extended minutes without Tyler Kolick either, though. Right, <laughs> uh, you know the offense is is important. But if you're asking me to pick one guy who has been absolutely critical, yeah, it it, it is Oso. He has been really fantastic and continues to develop into a pro prospect and I'm sure NBA scouts are, are taking notes and saying look let's keep an eye on this guy the rest of this year maybe into next year and l- let's see what he becomes but uh, 
yeah, he, he's just so critical to everything Marquette's trying to do. Yeah, and I don't want to dismiss, dismiss or diminish Tyler Kolick's importance to the team. I think the big thing is with Tyler is, I agree with you, you don't want extended minutes without without Tyler Kolick out there. But we do have, especially when Oso is in the game, we do have the ability where, you know, we, we saw it even in the Creighton game where there were three, four-minute segments where you had a Sean Jones or a Cam Jones or Stevie Mitchell or, or, you know, even Chase Ross to an extent, or Oso himself bringing the ball up, Omax bringing the ball up and initiating offense, right? So Tyler Kolick is absolutely critical to this team, but the offense can still operate, you know, without Tyler. Maybe not, not, as, not as well, but it can still operate. Whereas when you take Oso out, depending on the matchups, I think that drop-off from an offensive standpoint, and quite frankly, even a defensive in- standpoint, is a little bit more noticeable. So, all critical. It, one of them yeah. all on the team. But I, I just think if we're if we're really highlighting any one player, it's the contributions Oso Iguodaro's had to the team. Yeah, when when you need a ball handler out there other than Kolick, you have Stevie Mitchell on the team. Sean Jones has shown a lot of confidence as a lead guard as well. So you have options out there if Tyler has to sit for any reasons, whether it's fouls or fatigue. So, yeah, you do have other options. I just think the drop uh, from Oso to anyone else in the middle is notable. But, you know, as we check in uh, about – whereas we're approaching halfway point in the season uh, as we're – about to turn the calendar year to 2023, Marquette's Ken Palm numbers are looking pretty strong overall. You're talking the 23rd offense in the country, the number 50 defense in the country, which is which is good, but Shock has had better, and I, I think the defense is still going to continue to to be on the way up as we as we go on towards the season. The effective field goal percentage, outstanding on offense, 17th in the country. Two-point percentage offense, elite, number four in the country. So they are getting easy buckets, which I think may feel may be the biggest difference between this year's team and last year's team is how often they get to the basket for easy buckets, whether it's whether it's dunks or layups, whether it's you know lobs to Oso or uh, guy or Cam getting in the paint or. Uh, Omax Prosper has been very good in the paint more often than not. Uh, David Joplin is looking to drive. Uh, more than he has, and you know he had so he had a tough time getting to the basket against Creighton, but he's at least looking to do it. Right. And so I I think the two point percentage offense is a big reason why Ken Palm has Marquette's offense rated so highly so far. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and the offense is interesting. I I think I saw somebody talking about this online, but but I could be uh, I could be wrong. Um, maybe this is an original concept, but the, the, the offense, what's intriguing, like you said, it is the style, what, what points they're getting. There was an awful lot of mid range jumpers, you know, that was kind of, um, you know, that was kind of the Justin Lewis special, you know, certainly could take some long range shots, you know, Cam Jones, Justin Lewis, et cetera, Daryl Marcel. Um, but I think what's interesting is the offense there, there's a lot of movement on the offense that seems in the moment seems kind of listless, seems kind of like, oh, we're just moving to move. But it's almost like at a fast pace, they're lulling people into sleep because it's one of these like, we're moving, moving. All of a sudden, someone's downhill to the bucket and and, and getting getting to the rack for a, for a two, right? And, and if you talk about where basketball is going, where we say dunks and threes, that is the epitome of this team. Now, we wish they could hit threes at a little bit higher clip, 
Um, but they're at least hitting threes at a high enough clip that teams have to respect it, which is opening the lanes for the twos. And and as you said, you know, the fact that Marquette is elite at anything um, is a welcome bit of fresh air. Yeah, the, the team's three-point percentage overall is, is fine. It's not great, but it's certainly far from bad. It's uh, 33.9 as a team. That ranks 152nd in the country. So with 350-something teams, you're in the top half comfortably uh, as far as three-point three-point percentage shooting as a team. But when the right guys are shooting, it's fine. Obviously, the right guys being David Joplin, who's shooting 45% from three. Tyler Kolick's three-point percentage is up this year. It is 38.9%. Uh, you know, so I think the number of Tyler Kolick detractors has diminished to maybe next to zero right. within the Marquette fan base, Phil. You know, he certainly had his detractors last year, and I understood why. But I have always defended him because the offense is so much better with him on the floor. But now that he is shooting above 35% from three and dang near 40 now, I, I if you have anything left to complain about with Tyler Kolek, I, I'm not sure what you want to complain about. He, he is shooting the ball very well. Cam Jones is shooting fine, 34.8%, and that number has been climbing since some of his early season struggles. Um, he got off to a bit of a slow start this year. And there are some other guys who... You're comfortable shooting if they're open. I wouldn't call their numbers great so far, but Sean Jones can hit threes. Chase Jones can hit threes. Ben Gold has shown that range. He's only 4 of 18 on the year, but he's at least shown that he can hit it, so teams have to respect it a little bit. So if he's wide open, you don't mind him taking it. And, and Stevie Mitchell can shoot too, but his numbers don't show it so far too. He's at 25 points. 9% for the year. But yeah, when the right guys are shooting, when you have open looks, and that's what guys like Kolick uh, and a big, good passing big man like Oso can do is find those guys when they're open and hit those open shots. So they are um, the, the, yeah, but I think you make a good point there that the increased three-point shooting is helping the better numbers from two. Yeah, correct. And, it, and it's and it's generating, you know, that there's, with the, with the exception of, of Oso, there is there is no one you can sag off of or or maybe go under screens or things like that. And I think one of the you know, not to shout ourselves out, but one of the things that I've noticed, maybe it's anecdotal, maybe we can talk paint touches into doing a synergy check. Um, but I think one of the big differences with Tyler Kolick this year is he's doing a lot more catch and shoots. Um, you know, that was kind of the big thing we harped on last year was most of Tyler Kolick's misses were where he dribbled into a shot. Um, and, and this year he's shooting a lot more threes from, from a catch a shoot. So he's coming off a screen or there's a pass back to him or, or what have you. Um, and I think that is, is helping the offense. And again, it's another tool in the tool chest. Um, you know, I still think people are complaining a little bit about Tyler Kolick getting close to the rim and not shooting. I think he's certainly been better near the rim. He's been stronger near the rim. Even at, even had a right-handed layup against <laughs> against Creighton. Um, so I, I think those complaints are a little unwarranted. You know, you get the one of those, he gets within two feet of the rim, and next thing you know, he's passing out. But it's like, hey, look, you know, it, it, that he is always going to be looking for a pass before anything else. And so if he doesn't take... A contested two um and as as a trade-off we get two or three open looks later in the game because he's always looking past first then like i don't care <laughs> like i am i am right. i am over the well tyler kolik needs to to score more no 
he doesn't. He scores enough. Like everything, as long as it drives everything else he does, then uh, we're we're good to go as is. His assist rate of 39.8, which is really close to his three-point percentage, but his assist rate of 39.8 ranks eighth in the entire country yeah. among all players. Yeah, and just think if we, hit, we talked about it. Just think if we hit shots that he assisted on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of those passes, a lot of his passes have gone into the hands of uh, three-point shooters who have missed. So, yeah, that, that number should be a little bit higher. But, yeah, he can definitely find the open man. All right, so... Marquette, again, in, in great shape now, but there's so much work to do. There's still 19 Big East games to play. Um, and Ken Palm projects Marquette to finish pretty high in the Big East right now. I mean, you look at the projection, it has Marquette at 13-7, and seven, which... Was that your exact projection? It was. In the preseason? It was. Too? Okay, so... Oh, well, we'll we'll see. Maybe you nail it, buddy. Nah. Get it right there. Hey, we'll, we'll see. Optimistic Phil had to pay off one of these times. Yeah. <laughs> It's doing well lately. So uh, the next step in that mission, though, will be on Tuesday the 20th. That is at Providence at the building formerly known as the Dunkin' Donut Center. I will always call it the Dunk. Yes. It should always be the Dunk, Agreed. but it's not the Dunk anymore. I don't even know what it is anymore. It, is it's it some now? sort of insurance, I, I think. Okay. Actually, hold on. I can take a quick look. It is the, uh, it is the Amica Mutual Pavilion. Yep. Yep, it rolls right off the top. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, Amica, Amica Mutual Pavilion. Yep, the insurance. Yep, yeah. <laughs> it sucks. It's it's kind of like Miller Park will always be Miller Park. I don't care how many people it, try yeah. and make Anfam Field f- work. Nope, Miller Park. Sorry. Willis Towers always Sears Tower. Correct for you Chicago fans out there. But so uh, Providence last year's. Big East champions in the regular Asterisk. season. Asterisk. Asterisk. They, <laughs> but uh, off to a, they're off to a 9-3 and three start this season. Also 1-0 in the Big East. They defeated Seton Hall on Saturday. That was a road game. They, their, their best, Seton Hall might be their best win this year, actually, now that I look at their schedule. Their, uh, I guess their second best win goodness, I guess it's man, is it Rhode Island? Yeah. Because yeah, they've got a lot of 300 um, they got a lot of, I guess, Ryder at 199 on Ken Palm is their other, their second best win, according to Ken Palm. So they, they, they have not played the best schedule. The good teams they've played, they've lost to. They lost to Miami. They lost to St. Louis. And they lost to TCU. When I say good teams, I mean, like, power conference teams. Uh, teams ranked in the, in the top 70 in Ken Palm. They, they, Seton Hall is their first top 70 Ken Palm win this season uh you look at providence phil this season i don't know what stands out to you but I, the the one guy that will jump off the page to me is bryce hopkins who's a former kentucky commit he didn't play much at uk last year he transferred to providence in the offseason he's probably their top scorer their top offensive option he's a six seven uh kid who plays uh mostly the the, the three four positions um but you know, the, there's a, a bit of turnover from last year's championship team. But I mean, they have talent. But uh, again, looking at their resume so far, um, the wins don't quite measure up to what Marquette has so far. Yeah, I, I mean, you you got to take every every game you know seriously and all of that stuff. But 
I mean, I, I do think crazy things happen when, especially on the road at Providence, at, at the dunk, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we've got the ice skate game. We've got fluffy coat coming out of the, uh, out of the stands game. You know, it's, it's, we had the bat game in Milwaukee. Correct. Yep. Yep. Uh, I think the bat was the bat game also when, uh, Ed Cooley tore his pants against us there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't think, I think it was a different, I don't game. think so, but anyway, Weird things happen when Marquette and Providence play. Correct. Um, you know, I, I think the thing that's going to be interesting is I think Hopkins is going to be an issue. I think he's kind of the um, what what well I'll, I'll say what I hope David Joplin blossoms, blossoms into as the you know as the majority holder of all Jopwagon stock. Um, you know, so I think that'll be an interesting defensive challenge because. You know, we'll, we'll have to see who we match up with him defensively. But I'm also fascinated to see, you know, Ed Crosswell gets the majority of the minutes at at center for uh, uh, for Providence, at least per Kempom. Watching him trying to defend Oso Iguodaro and, and to a lesser extent, somebody like Clifton Moore or Rafael Castro, uh, that's, that's going to be fascinating because Oso should just eat them up. He should. I, I, there aren't many bigs in, dare I say, college basketball, but in, in the Big East that can match up with those. So certainly Sonogo can handle them right. and, and do very well. We'll see that in a few weeks. But, yeah, I, I think Oso should have the athletic advantage on Croswell. Now, Croswell may be a little thicker, but um, obviously Oso should have uh, plenty to say about which way this game goes. But yeah, Hopkins averaging 15.7 points, 8.6 rebounds on the season. He is their go-to scorer. So I think that's a defensive assignment probably for Omax. Yeah. For most of the game, Phil. I mean, that's probably his assignment and to try to limit what Hopkins does. And I think if you can do that, um, I think you're off to a great start in this one. And, uh, you know, Ken Palm has this as a slight, edge to Marquette, even though it's a road game. Ken Palm has Marquette as a one-point favorite in this game. You know, there's some... Uh, Providence has added some other transfers that have that have helped this year. Noah Locke, uh, who was previously at both Florida and Louisville, he's one of their top players. Uh, and then uh, uh, Hopkins, of course, is a transfer as well. Uh, Jared Bynum, of course, you remember from last year, he's one of their top returning players from the team that won the regular season title a year ago. So, I mean, Providence has experience. They have um, they they have probably more depth. A little, I don't know, if, maybe a little more depth than Creighton, probably not much. Maybe more depth than Creighton without Kalkbrenner, I suppose. But um, the, the guys at the top, you know, Hopkins and Locke and Bynum, those are the guys who are going to make this thing go for Providence. Uh, Providence, Ken Palm numbers. Defense is it just outside the top 100. Offense just outside the top 40. So Marquette matches up better in both those regards. Again, Marquette is in the top 25 offensively and right at 50 defensively. So that's why Marquette has a slight edge uh, on the road. Um in this one going up against Providence. Not a whole lot of red numbers when you're looking at Providence's Ken Palm numbers, so there's not like necessarily anything that jumps out to me that they're bad at, like a weakness that Marquette could attack. Um, I think you did kind of hit uh, that the, the the matchup in the middle could lead be on Marquette's favor fill, but anything else that 
analytically that jumps out to you as far as what could work for Marquette in this? Well, I, I think I think the ability to to move at pace against against uh, uh, Providence is going to be key. Get out, get out on the run before before any kind of defense is set. I don't I don't think uh, uh, Providence likes to play at any kind of pace. I think the one thing. I'm concerned about is, you know, Providence, at least so far. Now, they haven't really played uh, that many teams, but they are elite at offensive rebounds. So if Marquette, you know, where Marquette has struggled on the rebounding front in the Shaka era, I'd be concerned about a lot of second chance, you know, second chance opportunities for Providence. So that may limit our ability to get out and run if the team is is crashing the defensive boards, right? You're, you're not going to... You're not going to run out as much, um, so I think that's going to be a little a little tick for tack. Is you know does does Marquette really focus on uh, preventing those offensive rebounds and and slow the you know slow the the secondary break a little bit? Um, I, I don't know what they do, but I I would be concerned about the rebounds. That's a good call. Uh, as touched on, a sixth in the country offensive rebound percentage. Providence is so that is a strength for them. Three-point percentage defense is not the best for them, but, again, that's not necessarily Marquette's strength. So, um, I mean, there may be some three-point shots available, but as long as Marquette makes sure the right guys are taking them, maybe that's an area where Marquette could gain an edge, but, again, Marquette's strength is getting to the basket and getting those two-point shots. So, I'm not... I'm not that concerned about Providence just because, but it is a road game, so <laughs> road games are always tough to win in conference play. But I, I am cautiously optimistic that Marquette can go to Providence and, and get a tight win over uh, a Providence team that I think Marquette would be, Marquette certainly would be favored comfortably on a neutral floor, certainly at home. But uh, going to their place, I think this is what you're looking at. If you're looking at making a real run in the Big East, Phil, I think Providence is a team that you look at that maybe you can sweep. Um, and so this is the first step in that is getting them at their place. So I, I – Ken Palm has it only as a one-point spread, but I do like Marquette's chances to go to Providence and get a W. Yeah, I do too. I think I, – I suspect Vegas will probably make the line something like three, three-and-a-half on Marquette's side. Um, you know, so so we'll see how the, the betters go. I, I think this is going to be one of those games that's going to be tighter than it really should um, what I what I did like about the Creighton game was that Marquette beat Creighton kind of left-handed, um, and by that I mean it's not like Cam Jones had a great game. You know, Tyler Kolek didn't have a super great game. You know, obviously Oso was was really good, but but for the most part they beat Creighton with defense. Which you know, if if suddenly Marquette is is a defensive team as well as an offensive team, you know the. Sometimes offenses are going to be off because, you know, percentages, shots just don't fall. If Marquette is suddenly going to be a top 40 defense and a, because that's how they played against Creighton, and a top, you know, 30-ish offense, um, that's going to put them in the tough to beat all the time category. So I I suspect this is going to be one of those games where maybe Marquette, um is a little bit sleepy early for for some reason, and and maybe Providence jumps out on him, and and Shaka Shaka gets a little annoyed and and pulls some people and swaps some things around. Um, but I think opt op um, ultimately, excuse me, there's a word there. Um, I think Marquette probably pulls out a five six point win um, at Providence. Uh, you know, maybe a bit of a nail biter late, um, but I. I 
if if Marquette is going to do the things that they've shown so far they can do, I don't see how Providence wins, you know, eight out of ten times. You know, I, I think eight out of ten times Marquette wins this game um, just because Marquette's been the better team, you know, so far on the season. Better challenged and, and better results. Yeah, something we said in the last week's pod, Phil, and again, knocking on wood here, hoping not we're going to jinx them, but they really haven't had a stinker of a game start to finish. Right. They've had some halves, like maybe like a half of a game that was regrettable or maybe not their best effort, but Marquette really has not had a game where start to finish, they just weren't in it. They, 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 they weren't competing. They, they have been competing in every game, especially defensively, and I think their defense keeps them in most games. So even if you are in a tough environment and the home team gets on a bit of a run, they hit a few shots early, they jump out to a, you know, a, a 7-0, a 10-3 lead, you're not really panicking that early because you're like, look, man, we, we, we got a good defense here. We can make up a 10-point deficit with a whole, <laughs> almost a whole game to play. They... They compete every night, and that's what I love watching about this team is that, you know, they they can always find a way to make the game interesting and almost to the very end, and they've been in absolutely every game, even the games they've lost. So, but yeah, I agree with you. Against Providence, I think Marquette is better than Providence, flat out, and I think they've shown it night in and night out. They, they, they just have not had any... Lackluster performances that make me think, oh, this is the this is the way this team's going. They they they've had some games that are better than others, but they at least always show you something to make you believe this team has some fight in them. And even if they are in a tough environment, that they can get a win. So that's why I like their chances against Providence uh, on Tuesday. Uh, this might be a bit of a shorter podcast as we uh, get ready for the holidays, but again, we do want to touch on the following game which will be the game right after Christmas. That'll be the 27th. That's a home game against Seton Hall. And Phil, I think one thing you and I were definitely in agreement with in the preseason was while we like the Shaheen Holloway hire for Seton Hall long-term, neither of us quite got the love of them being like a top-five team in the Big East this year because I think there was a lot of optimism right now for Seton Hall, and I, I didn't quite get it then, and it's kind of proving – to be the case for Seton Hall right now. They're not terrible. I mean, they're 7 and 5 on the year, but not a whole lot of uh great wins for them so far. They're 65th in Ken Palm. Uh they're not projected. They're projected probably more middle of the pack, maybe even a little lower that in the Big East, but yeah, I, I think this is still a bit of a transition. They're still tough. They're good enough to beat you if you play poorly, but I I don't get them being um a super strong Big East team this year. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, again, I think long-term, I think it'll work out. But in the short term, um, you know, the, I, it just feels like they're wildly overrated, you know, depending on a bunch of transfers and, you know, and, and not much returning and stuff like that. So I think this is one of those, especially with the home game now, it's a little it's a little funky given right after right after Christmas and stuff like that. Sometimes it's it's tough to focus, but playing at home should should help with that, right? It's not as you know yeah. you know Seton Hall is going to have to get on a flight the day after Christmas, get out to Milwaukee. You know it's going to be abysmally cold um, here in, in <laughs> yeah. Milwaukee. So you know that's that's always fun. Of course, they're used to that in Newark. That's they're true. used to that in Newark. But yes, it's but yeah. To your point, it's probably going to be a sleepy crowd. The fans who are there. I mean, uh, I you know. I certainly would, you know, I would love it to see a full, a packed house, but I would understand why if it's maybe of a, a bit of an empty arena, 
the Tuesday right. after Christmas. Right. You know, it's probably not a whole. I'd imagine not a whole lot of students there. I would assume, uh, unless they're just local kids uh, going to the game. So, hopefully, it's at least exciting enough right. to give Marquette at least some form of a home court advantage. But yeah, it might be of a bit of a, a sleepy game. Yeah, well, the thing that stands out to me though is so Seton Hall's defense is good, like you know, top thirty Ken Palm defense. So so the offense may struggle a little bit, but again, that's going to be more of a a strength on strength. But the thing that really stands out to me is Seton Hall's offense is atrocious at turnovers. Almost a quarter of every possession they have results in a turnover, and they haven't played a team like Marquette who turns people over. Like Marquette's pace yeah. is whatever the opposite of a rack attack in at Rutgers is, like the pace will just blow the doors off of Seton Hall. And, and if Marquette can get out at pace, turn Seton Hall over before Seton Hall's defense is even set, um, I think this could turn into a bit of a rout. I, th- I think it could be a sleepy yeah, game, it, but it could turn into a bit of a rout as well. They uh, they actually won at Rutgers. That's one of their that not, that might actually be their best win of the year. They went uh, to the rack or whatever it's called now and won a forty five forty three barn burner. Oh, but yeah, the uh, but uh, you're you're dead on as far as Seton Hall's Ken Palm numbers. Yeah, top thirty defense. So yeah, it will be maybe a rock fight in that regard. But yeah, their their offense their their overall offensive number may not be awful. It's one forty fifth in the country. So again, that's slightly above middle of the pack, but. A lot of red numbers. You look down Seton Hall's Ken Palm page. Um, they uh, their effective field goal percentage is in the 200s. Turnovers, as you said, near the very bottom in all of college basketball. They really kick it around. Three point percentage, 282 in the country. Two point percentage, 226th in the country. Free throw percentage is not good. They don't. Uh, they get a lot of shots blocked. Uh, they get the ball stolen from them <laughs> a lot. So yeah, I, I think I think you're dead on in that prediction. That Marquette's defense, uh, again, I know everyone's might just be a little tired or maybe not all that fired up coming right after Christmas. But if Marquette can bring most of its defensive effort in that game, I think it could be a long night for Seton Hall. Uh, Ken Palm agrees has it as a seven point edge for Marquette uh, in in that game. So. Yeah, this is another team that, again, if you play poorly, they can beat you just because their defense is so good. So if if Marquette decides to have a terrible offensive night, if they decide to turn it over around and give Seton Hall easy buckets in transition, that is the path to victory for Seton Hall. It's just a sloppy game for Marquette offensively that leads to easy buckets for Seton Hall. But if Marquette brings its defensive intensity, I just don't see how Seton Hall goes into Milwaukee and wins. Yeah, I don't either. I, again, I, I do think this ends up being a double-digit victory. It's hard to say whether, you know, Marquette's up 7-8 late and Seton Hall does some fouling to try and close it out, or if Marquette is just in the driver's seat the whole way. But from a Seton Hall perspective, I just don't like the matchup for them. So I, I do think mm-hmm. this is going to be, I don't want to say an easy win. I think the, the score may reflect... Uh, we may not reflect the challenge that the game was, but I, but I do think Marquette wins um, going away a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I feel I feel confident in this one. Don't know how else to say it. <laughs> like, right. It, I, again, you respect your opponents, and again, crazy things happen in the Big East, but if you're talking about getting 
we, we talked about that magic number of getting to 20 wins overall. And if you're talking about getting to 12 wins, you need to defend your home court against inferior teams. This is a game you should win. Yes. Seton Hall, a fine team, but I don't think they're on Marquette's level right now. Right. Yep. And, I, I, and I like it's time to talk to your kids about potentially 3-0 and Marquette Big East. Yeah, and if they do that, they will be 3-0 and heading to Villanova, who isn't off to a typical Villanova start, but you have to respect the program right now. I Who knows what they will be at the time Marquette plays them on New Year's Eve. That's a game we'll break down in our next podcast. But 3-0 and in the Big East heading to Nova, a place they won last year. Uh, they did win in Philadelphia last year. So then you could really start getting some buzz going and um, – I mean, again, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, Phil, but let's say Marquette can win these two and get to 3-0. If you can maybe catch Villanova before they wake up and really emerge as the type of team they usually are, then you've got St. John's on the road, uh, which Marquette, according to Ken Palm, is a one-point dog in that one, but that's another game I think they can win. you got Georgetown at home. That's the must-win, yep. right? There's That's the that's the no-excuses game. you got to win that one. But then if after that, Wednesday, January 11th, Number one, Connecticut. Number one in Ken Palm, anyway. Coming to Milwaukee. If you live in the greater Milwaukee area, or maybe northern Illinois, thinking, hey, I should get to a Marquette game at some point this year. I would look into January 11th, if yes. I were you. Yes. Buy tickets now. I, I would I, I would start making some plans to clear your calendar Wednesday night, January 11th. Uh, that may They may be number one team in the country in all the polls. Who knows what's going to happen over the next few weeks. Uh, but Connecticut is legit awesome right now, so I would definitely um, circle. Who knows? Maybe, maybe I don't know if Marquette's going to be undefeated in the Big East when that happens, uh, but they might be. But maybe they have one loss. But you could have maybe between Marquette and Connecticut, one to two losses in the Big East. That could be an early battle for first place. I'm looking at Connecticut's schedule right now. Between now and then, uh, they've got. Georgetown at home, Nova at home, at Xavier. That'll be a tough one for them. Um, at Providence, Creighton at home, and then they play Marquette. I mean, UConn is favored, literally, in every game they have the rest of the way, according to Ken Palm. But, yeah, I think there's a good chance Connecticut is still undefeated when they come to Milwaukee on the 11th. Where is Marquette going to be at that time? I don't know. There is, there's a chance they're unbeaten in the Big East. Maybe they have one losses, hopefully not more than two. But... Go ahead and circular calendar, and if, if again, if you're a casual fan who hasn't been to many games, thinking about going to a game, I'd think about that one. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's crazy to think about, but the schedule does line up that you know, if let's say Marquette's five and one going into that Connecticut game, I'd still not to preview too far ahead. I, I still I'm really concerned about playing Connecticut just stylistically their line their their roster yes. etc oh, yeah you know so I I think that will be a little bit more of a a, a dour predict prediction when we get to that but like just think about where we let's let's imagine for the sake of the math that they go five and one going into that Connecticut game I don't think there is a single person on this planet that projected Marquette would be 14 and four going into a home matchup against Connecticut like no that's Crazy good. And and Marquette's only losses are to two undefeated teams, Mississippi State and Purdue, and Wisconsin that has beaten a bunch of top 25 teams per Ken Palm and, and lost uh, a nail-biter to Kansas and, and kind of got, I think, fell asleep against Wake Forest. But, you know, again, it feels weird to have to say it every week, but 
Marquette is good. They may not be like top tier best team in the Big East, but they are good. And we need to start acting like they're good. Yeah, I I, I haven't seen the AP polls yet uh, for the week, but I don't know if Marquette's going to be ranked, but they're going to be getting close. Like if they could maybe win against Providence and a couple other teams fall out, they may be ranked uh, next week. I know Gary Parrish has had him in his – uh, his personal top 25 for a couple weeks now and hasn't really moved him out even after the Wisconsin loss. But they are getting that recognition starting to look like a team that people are projecting will certainly be in the field. I, I, I would say certainly, but right now they are certainly projecting to be a tournament team. And just got to hope this continues. We talked about the thing we hated uh, during most of the Wojo years and it happened a bit last year was that late season fade, which is Hope that doesn't happen this year. Just kind of keep this momentum and hope this team hasn't peaked yet. And if this team is going to get better, I'm excited what could happen in late February and early March. Yeah, I mean, I mean the the end of the the the, the last three games have have a bunch of boogeymen there. Um, but oh sure, you know, but but Marquette is again stylistically the fact that they beat Creighton. You know, like I said, out of out of sorts a little bit on the offensive end. They're winning games multiple ways. That's that's what you want out of this team. And and there may be you know gaps or flaws, right? We don't have we we talked about it. We don't have uh, much depth at five. You know we've got some streaky shooters, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But every team is flawed. You know just about with maybe the exception of say a Connecticut or or somebody like that. Um, so that's all we really like. I, I think the expectations that people set. For the for the team were appropriate, like within the within the fan base, right? I think I think the um, the 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 nationwide analysts going, oh, Marquette's going to be nine, ten, eleven in the Big East. I think they were insane. Um, but I think top twenty five ish probably was the ceiling we thought for this team, and the fact that they're there yeah. so quick um, is fantastic. Yeah, when we do our preseason predictions, both you and me and both the ones we do with like as a group with the guys from Paint Touches and Crack Sidewalks and Anonymous Eagle, you and Alan tend to be Alan Bukowski tend to be the most optimistic among all our predictions. I think this is even exceeding yours and Alan's yes. predictions as far as how good Marquette would be. So, yeah. Just hope it continues. It's all we can hope for. And we'll find out what they're made of when they go on the road against Providence. Uh, a team I think Marquette is better than, but that will not. it won't be an easy game. But uh, before we get out of here, I guess, on record prediction, when we reconvene after Christmas, Mark, I am predicting Marquette is going to be 3-0 in the Big East. I am as well, so it's time to talk to your kids about it because you don't want them getting surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Good reason to be excited. Good reason to follow Market Basketball and support this team because they are a lot of fun to watch right now. All right, kind of a shorter podcast today, but we do have to get out of here. So hit us up on Twitter. I am Joe McCann3. Phil is M O O O F23 at Crack Sidewalks is the team handle. You can go to cracksidewalks.com. We post podcasts there and you can leave comments on the website. And always we appreciate it if you rate, review, and subscribe. That's the important one. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Phil, uh, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. And we will reconvene after the holiday. Absolutely. Merry Christmas to you and uh, uh, happy Hanukkah and uh, kiss his ass, your ass. Uh, (laughs) I was watching Christmas Vacation the other night. It's my annual tradition. That is one of my favorite parts. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Kiss my ass. Kiss your ass. Kiss his ass. Happy Hanukkah. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Watch your favorite Christmas movies, whatever they may be. 
Happy holidays, everyone, and we will see you next week. Seashells and balloons, everybody.